Amen. Well, say amen again if you like that song. That's one of my favourites. Appreciate that. Appreciate those young people getting up and singing as well. Uh, If you're not already there, can you please turn to Exodus chapter 7 with me? We're going to have a look at something here tonight that I pray is of a help. I know that it's something that the Lord's challenged me about. So Exodus chapter 7. Uh, Thank Josh for reading those verses there. Uh, I was talking to Pastor this afternoon and he just wanted to express his thanks and gratitude for the prayers and everyone uh, in the past couple of days and today. And uh, just continue to pray for them, please. Pray for Brother Darrell and, and the whole family. Obviously this week, just with preparations for next week as well. So just keep them in your prayers, please. But he does, they do appreciate uh, the prayers. And no doubt you've been on the receiving end of those prayers at one time. And you can understand that it does help when people pray. So just keep them in the forefront of your mind, please. Appreciate that. Um, I'm going to pray first and then we'll get stuck into something here. So if you just bow your heads with me, we'll have a a quick word of prayer. Uh, Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, uh, we do thank you that your name is the name above all names. We thank you, Father, that you have power, uh, that we can uh, stand on your word, stand on your name, Lord God. And uh, we thank you for all that you've given us, all that you've done for us. And Lord, for the things that you've promised us that we have not yet received, we thank you for them as well, Lord. Uh, Father, we thank you uh, that you have given us life and uh, you've shown us in your word how to live that, uh, that pleases you, Lord God. I pray that this evening would be pleasing to you. I pray that, Lord God, as I speak, that you would guide my words, that your Holy Spirit would be with me and help me, Lord, uh, to say the things that are needed. I pray, Father, that this time would be profitable and fruitful to your glory and for the help of each one that's here, Lord God. I thank you for showing us truths in your word. Thank you for being a God that understands us, understands our hearts and minds, our actions, our thoughts, our words. Lord God, we thank you that you understand every part of us. And Lord, that you have the best ways for us to to do better in those areas as well, Lord. So Father, I pray that this time be fruitful. We thank you for it. And I pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, a couple of years ago, I had the privilege of taking a pastor from the airport, picking up a pastor from the airport. Uh, he was just flying through. I actually can't even remember who he was. I can't remember his name or what he looked like or anything. All I know is that I was supposed to pick him up and take him to Brother Michael David Arson's house for dinner. So I probably picked him up around 5.30 or something in the afternoon. And um, my instruction was to take him from the airport to Michael's for dinner. I was like, okay, good, that's pretty simple. So I pick him up from the airport and punch the Michael's address into the GPS. I think it was into my phone at that time. And so I'm driving along and I, I see on my GPS it's offering me an alternate route. I click away, a shortcut. And I'm like, okay, boom, yep, I'll take that. So unfortunately, it was taking me away that I'd never been before through the, some suburbs I'd never even heard of out the back of I don't even know where. And so I'm driving along and all of a sudden I'm in a place I don't know. I kind of know where he lives, but I don't know how to get there from where I currently am and my GPS signal gets lost. (laughs) And I'm with this pastor I've never met before and I'm supposed to be taking him to dinner and the situation is not going very well. So I'm kind of just driving around aimlessly, just hopefully I find a sign for a road that I recognise or something like that. Needless to say, I probably got to Michael's about 25, 30 minutes late and I think they'd already started dinner and I was apologising the whole way. I felt very bad and, you know, I felt like I failed my mission. Um, But the reason I got into that 
into that uh, situation was because I wanted to take a shortcut. And there's nothing wrong with taking shortcuts like that, but when I got into that situation, all of a sudden it became out of my control because my GPS wasn't working anymore, and then that was a problem. The shortcut was a problem because I was in unfamiliar territory. And I, didn't, I, couldn't, I couldn't change that circumstance, so I just had to find my way around, and eventually I did. But that's a little bit what I want to talk about tonight, is, is warning us against taking shortcuts in the Christian life. Okay? So there are countless stories of Christians in the Bible that were you know, greatly used of God to do incredible things, and we just read about Moses and Aaron, and we know obviously the rest of that story and everything that they were used of God to do. Um, and there's other stories of other people in the Bible that handled themselves courageously and graciously uh, amidst circumstances and trials, um, perhaps even ones that were given special opportunities that other ones weren't given as well. And there's, there's so many stories of people like that in the Bible. And when you read these things, or at least I know when I read these things, that can make me desire to have what they had, to, to, to be given those opportunities that they had, um, to be used by God the way that they did. And that's a good thing, to desire God's blessings, God's workings in your life. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and you might also notice, you know, with other Christians in your life, people around you, people in this church or people you've grown up with, like God's using them in this way and I want to I follow that, I want to have that in my life. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that either. But if you're like me, sometimes seeing God working in other people's lives, whether it's people right in front of you or, you know, people in the Bible it can kind of lead to maybe one of two situations or one or two outcomes. Um, and the first one is this. It can probably spur you on to live more and more through godly principles, seeing that they have followed what's in the word and that can give you encouragement to keep, okay, I'm going to keep at this, I'm going to keep doing what God says and that can keep you going further. The other thing is you see the things that God's doing in their lives and Though you're desiring God's blessings and everything that's going on and everything that God's giving them or, or using them for, it can kind of be like, yes, I want that, but at the same time, I, I want to get a, an easier version of that. I want, to, I want to have something that's a little bit less confronting, a little bit less challenging, maybe a little bit less sacrificial. Uh, I want what they have, but I don't want to go through the things that they had to get to that point. I don't know if you've felt like that at times. Maybe you've been reading about someone in the Bible like, yes, I want that blessing of God, but I don't want to go through everything that they went through. So there's nothing wrong with desiring to be like these people or to have God's blessings, but sometimes it can put us in a, in a situation where we think, I want to take a shortcut and take the easy way to get those things. So that's what I want to talk about tonight. In the passage we read uh, in Exodus here, God was showing forth his power through the things he did through with Moses and Aaron. And uh, Pharaoh, however, in this situation, was adamant in showing Moses and Aaron and really all the Egyptians and the Israelites that basically God's ways were not the only ways to achieve results. Because Moses and Aaron came before, you know, on God's command basically and said, here, here's the situation. And then Pharaoh says, hey, we can do the same thing. You know, they cast forth their rod, became a serpent and... Pharaoh's magicians were able to replicate exactly the same thing. So he was, he was basically saying, you know what, your God's way is not the only way of doing things. And that's the kind of mindset, I guess, we can fall into a little bit. Not that we're ruling God out of the picture, but hey, maybe there's just a slightly different way of achieving the same result that God can, that God can achieve. And, uh, and when you read about it, it looks like Pharaoh did achieve the same results. Like, obviously, with this 
the, the, the rods becoming serpents, his rod, their rods became serpents just like Aaron's rod became a serpent. Um, and you, if we follow on, if you just flick ahead a little bit, uh, if you read in verse uh, 10, we'll read a couple of verses here, verse number 10 of chapter 7, uh, it says this, ah, oh, sorry, that's, that's the rods, we've already looked at that. If you, if you look ahead at verse number 20 of chapter 7, verse number 20, it says, And Moses and Aaron did so as the Lord commanded, and he lifted up the rod and smote the waters that were in the river in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants. And all the waters that were in the river were turned to blood. And the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments. So not only did Pharaoh and his magicians replicate something amazing and miraculous that God did by turning their rods into serpents, they were able also to replicate the turning of water into blood. And uh, that's a pretty significant feat. I think if any of us here said that we could turn water into blood, we'd be thinking, wow, they, they've got something there. That's pretty amazing. Uh, so it wasn't just a one-off thing. So they were, they were, you know, Pharaoh was adamant in showing that there are other avenues, there are other ways to achieve the same results, but just doing it a different way. Uh, so he, he shows this with the serpents, shows this with the blood. And you look down in Exodus chapter 8, uh, verse number 6. He did this with the frogs, the plague of frogs as well. It says this in verse 6, And Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs upon the land of Egypt. So he's just proving his point yet again. And I'd say a bit of pride is coming in here as well, that, hey, look, I can do anything you can do. I can replicate anything that your God says that he can do. And I know that tonight here we probably don't have that attitude of I can do anything God can do, but we might be looking for a way to achieve that result without the same work involved in it. Okay. And when I was reading this, this is just a completely side note, um, thinking about John Mackay and, and when he's been here previously and talked about the size of different animals and all that kind of stuff, like, you know, in years gone by. And I just thought, he's got photos of, you know, when a frog is like this big or a toad is like this big. I'm thinking, I wonder how big these frogs were. They were all over the land and in houses and everything. I wonder if they were like really big frogs or just millions of little tiny frogs. Anyway, it would still be an inconvenience, whatever. But <laughs> just lock that one away for next time. Um, but Pharaoh is making the point here that I can do what God can do. I can achieve the same results. It's all about achieving the same results. But did you notice how God shows his power first and then Pharaoh tries to replicate that? And uh, I would say in stubbornness and pride, he seeks to replicate that. And uh, he was trying to prove his point. And I think we can get a little bit this way. And like I said, I don't think... I'm not pointing the finger here tonight because I'm really saying this about myself as well, that we're not rejecting God... But sometimes we might get a little bit like this. We can maybe say, get a little bit lazy in living a holy Christian life and letting some things slip that we might deem not as important as other things. It might be even in the area of, say, fasting or something like that. So we want to see a result. We want to see maybe someone get healed or see salvation brought to somebody's life. Um, and we can pray and we can pray. And we can neglect something else that God instructs us to do that says that this is the kind of thing that that breaks change, that, you know, affect that outcome. But we might just neglect that a bit because we might just be a little bit lazy. I know I've been there. Um, so that can be one area that, that this slips into. But maybe another thing is we fall for the lie that the end justifies the means. That if I get the same result at the end, it doesn't really matter how I got there as long as the result 
was the same. As long as that person got saved, it doesn't matter how I do it, as long as they get saved, isn't that the most important thing? But I don't think that's how God sees things. He, he, God does not say that the end justifies the means. He does care about how you get there. He does care about the way that you handle yourself and the way that you do things. Um, and I think when we, when we think that way, our integrity, our character and really our reflection on our God is really minimised and we kind of, you know, trample his name underfoot a little bit when we, when we think the end justifies the means. Um, maybe you're not the lazy type. Maybe you're kind of the opposite where you want to be in control of everything. So you want to manipulate the outcome or manipulate the way of getting that result uh, because you don't like not being in control. Um, I certainly didn't like not being in control when I'm driving that pastor to Brother Michael's house. That was not a good feeling. So you might be a person who just wants to have everything in control so then you, you manipulate conversations to achieve the result that you want. Uh, you manipul- manipulate people's feelings in a certain way. And I'm not saying we do this, um, you know, to try and be against God or anything like that, but somehow when our, our focus is, is on this certain result, we can slip into these ways of thinking to get to that. I'm not saying we're, we're doing it on purpose to harm people or hurt people or, or really to be against God, um, but we can find ourselves doing that along the way, even if it's just a little bit. Uh, God sees all that and he cares about how we do things. So at the end of the day, really, all of these, like Pharaoh, are, are just shortcuts to God's way of doing things. Um, and say amen if you believe that in God's eyes the end does not justify the means, that, if, that he does care exactly how we do things because uh, why else did he give us this to look at and to, and to, and to really you know, live our lives according to if he didn't care how we did things? Uh, I think he very much does so, um, especially when we're seeking to glorify him especially when we're seeking to bring him glory, then yes, it does matter how we do things. Um, So it doesn't matter how many people are on your side or agree with the shortcut you're tempted to take. And I think if we're all honest, we've probably taken at least one shortcut along these lines along the way somewhere in our Christian life. But it really doesn't matter how many people are with you on that. It doesn't matter how many people agree with you on that. Um, Proverbs 16 verse 5 says... Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand join in hand, he shall not be unpunished. You know, you can try and get as many people on your side and to agree with you, but at the end of the day, the Lord sees if if you're being proud about how you're doing it, if you're not doing it my way, then there is going to be consequences for that. Um, It doesn't matter if you're the majority rule or anything or if everyone else is doing it. It doesn't matter. He doesn't see it like that. He cares how you do things. He cares how you handle yourself to bring him glory. And really, that's what it should be about, is living our lives to bring him glory. But we need to look at all little steps along the way that make him get that glory. And have a little bit of an assessment of, okay, I want him to be glorified. I want you know God's blessings or God's working in my life. What parts along the way am I just letting slip and just trying to like jump over and, and get to that end result? Because those things matter to God. Okay? How we handle ourselves matter to God. Um, And God's ways are God's ways for a reason. When he does things his way, he gets the glory that he deserves. Because we might write it totally different. If we were God, we might seek to, you know, get glory some other way. But he's very specific in how he wants things done. And not to a hard taskmaster kind of way, but there's a reason for everything that he expects. 
So then we should take note of that and say, okay, well, if I want to get him glory, then I'm going to do things the way that he wants them done. And when we try and cheat that, essentially we're cheating him out of his glory. Uh, we're trying to maybe take some for ourselves, or just not attributing to him what he deserves. So if you flip with me to Exodus 8, I'll just, ha- I'll just show you a little bit here about the results of taking shortcuts, um, even in other people's lives. And for anyone else watching our decisions in these things, God's ways and our own way or our own shortcut uh, can really look or seem identical. So they can, other people seeing this happen in our lives, they can look back, they can you know, stand back and see the whole big picture and say, well, their way seems identical to how God says it in the Bible. Like they achieve the same result. It's pretty much the same thing. Uh, the miracle of the rod, the miracle of the blood and the miracle of the frogs, to everyone that was there, it just would have looked exactly the same. The Bible doesn't stipulate that there was any difference. It doesn't say that you know the magicians didn't really put uh, turn the water into blood. It was just food coloring. <laughs> no, it said that they were able to do exactly the same thing. So you think about everyone looking on. Uh, there'd be believers and unbelievers looking on. To everyone, it would have looked like well, both these things are exactly the same. They achieve the exact same result. So is there really a difference? Does it really matter where it came from or whose power was used to get it? People would have been thinking about that. People would have been seeing that with their own eyes. And you think about this, even the Christians, even, the, even God's people could have been thinking that. Maybe even Moses and Aaron, I don't know. But this was probably the first time they'd seen the same thing replicated that God had done. They probably would have been thinking these kind of things. And I think if we're honest, we'd probably be thinking the same thing too, like, wow, that's exactly the same. I wonder if there is a difference. But there was a huge difference, a very big difference. So in Exodus verse eight, uh, chapter 8 and verse 8, just have a look here with me. It says this, Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said this, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people. If Pharaoh's magicians had the same power to achieve the result that God did, then wouldn't you expect they'd have the same power to take away the things that were put in the land, to take away those problems or to take away that, that big miracle that was done? But here Pharaoh says, ah, uh, I, ha- I don't have the power to take that away. Yeah, I know, I know we had the power to, to bring it up. It's like the same result, everything was the same, but now I just realise, hang on a minute, it's not the same. God's ways are actually different. Even though we achieve the same result up to that point, there is a difference. And if you read, uh, we don't have to look there, but if you read back in uh, Exodus 7, verse 24, 25, the Egyptians had to, after, the, after they turned the water into blood, the Egyptians had to dig around to find other water because they couldn't drink that water. So if they had the power to turn water into blood, and blood back into water, then they wouldn't have to dig around to look for fresh water. But they didn't have that power back then. And they didn't have the same power when the frogs came to take them away. So Pharaoh gets to this point where he realises, ah, I'm not actually in control. This is, this is different to the things that I was doing. Even though it looked like all the same, there is a huge big difference. He didn't have control over those things after he replicated them. And obviously his friends, the magicians, the sorcerers, the ones that were on his side, you know, hand joined in hand, they couldn't do it either. 
So he's left with a bit of a problem here. So when we translate that back into sometimes how we think, uh, when we decide to do things our own way, we can get to a point where we find that we're actually not in control like we thought we were. We might be desiring these really good things, but we've left some things along the way and then we find ourselves out in the middle of nowhere and Mr. Devadarson's hungry and what do you do then? <laughs> There's a problem because situations are now out of your control, out of your power. Um, and Moses and Aaron were not relying on their power, they were relying on the power of God. And that's what the difference was between Pharaoh and his magicians and Moses and Aaron. They were relying on God's power, not on themselves. So Pharaoh did not have control over these things. And when we decide to do this, what we, we kind of get to that point where we, thought, where we say, I thought I could handle this, but... I thought that I could, I could get to that point, but now I realise, no. I left that really important thing. I left that thing out. Or I was, just, I was just too much, I wanted to be in control myself, and now I'm stuck in the middle of nowhere. I don't know how to get to where I need to go. Um, I thought it didn't matter about doing things specifically God's way. I thought you could just, you know, take it as a general idea. But no, God's, when God's specific, then we need to specifically listen and specifically take note of what he's specifically saying, specifically. <laughs> um, but seriously, that, that's, that's the point, is if God's going to be specific about something, there's a reason that he's being specific about it. If he, if he could get away with it just being general, then he, if, if that was sufficient, then that's what he would do. But if he's specific about how you're supposed to pray or fast or you know, give or, or whatever it is, serve, bring him glory, treat his name, um, treat other people, all these things. If he's being specific about it, then we need to be specific about it. Not to see it as an optional thing and, oh, I still want to get the same result. No, because God doesn't get that glory that he deserves when he just leave out those things that he said. No, they're specifically in there for a reason. So Pharaoh had this, you know, he, he's different to us, but his attitudes can be similar to how we think at times as well. And don't forget, we've got the world that we live in that's also pushing us, you know, to say, hey, you can do things your way. It, it doesn't matter if you do it, you know, according to that or this or especially according to what God says. Like, pff, it doesn't matter. You just make your own way. You just do your own thing. So we live in this society that's pushing that as well. So we need to make sure that doesn't creep into our, our churches, creep into our, you know, Christian mindsets. We need to make sure that we're doing it specifically God's way. Um, and, you know, I've heard people in Christian cir circles say, well, the specifics of the Bible aren't essential. It's just a guide. It's just a general guide. You know, even, you know, the Old Testament, that's just not relevant. Uh, let's just focus on the New Testament. Just things like that. And that's, that's not true. Like I said, God put this here for a reason. Then we need to find out what those reasons are and, and take note of them. Um, and God doesn't say that this is just a guide. I mean, in Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, he says this, uh, familiar passage, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, and that's pretty high, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Uh, Pharaoh, your ways of doing things are totally different to God's ways of doing things. They're just worlds apart. And God's saying, hey, you and me here, how we think and how we, we you know, have ideas about things, they're just worlds apart. We need to get ourselves in line with how God sees things. 
and not just go on whatever we think because uh, then we end up being a little bit like Pharaoh and trying to cheat the system a little bit or, you know, whether intentionally or unintentionally, it, that's not what God's desire is for us. So God's ways are definitely higher than ours. And uh, think about this. After the frog, so, you know, you had the, the rods turning into the serpent, the water turning into blood, and then the frogs coming into the land. So the magicians were able to replicate that their way. But after that, they couldn't take the frogs away and they, they couldn't replicate any more of God's miracles after that. So they got to this point where they just 100% knew that they had nothing on God. They had nothing on God's ways. Uh, and if you just flick over to Exodus 8, I'll just show you that in verse 18 and verse 19. And it says this, And the magicians did so with their enchantments to bring forth lice. So they were trying to bring forth lice, but they could not. So there were lice upon man and upon beast. Then the magician said unto Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. And isn't that a profound statement? That these magicians who have some power from somewhere, who are able to replicate things of God, have now realised that this is, this is way above our power. This is God's finger doing this. There is no way, if you get all of us in the whole land all together, doing our best, we cannot replicate this because this is God doing this. And that's unsaved people saying that. So for us, we should sit up and go, yeah, it actually does make a difference if you do it God's way or not. Because wouldn't you rather say, hey, I got to this result, this you know, glory, glorifying God by the finger of God's work, or would you rather say, I tried to do it myself, but I didn't quite get there? I'd rather say, hey, I got to this point of glorifying God because the finger of God was in everything that I did. Not because of me, but because of him. Because Moses and Aaron, they weren't special, more special than you and me. They were just being obedient to God. They were just doing things God's way. So that's the difference. Uh, they realised that achieving the same result as God's ways was not the same as having God's power for then and even for things beyond that. Uh, so question for us, do we live the Christian life needing God's power? Do we do our life, everyday life, saying, I need God's power to glorify you today? Lord, I need you to help me speak correctly today so it brings you glory? Or do we just go, ah, it doesn't really matter how I talk to that person, they're not really that important, I'll focus on these ones here. Mm, I think God sees that because, you know, God's not a respecter of persons. So do you live needing God's power? Moses and Aaron lived like they needed God's power because they knew that without it, there's no way they could do the things that they did. That was all God's power. That wasn't them. So do we live that way? Uh, Galatians 5, don't have to turn there, verse 25 says this, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If you're a Christian here tonight and you say, yes, I've got God's power, I've got God's Holy Spirit in me, then he's expecting you to use that for your everyday life, for the big things, the hard things, for the mundane things and the things that we probably think are not that important. Like the things that we don't think are so important that we should get on our knees and pray, actually they probably are the things that we should be getting on our knees and pray because otherwise we're just taking it all for granted and we're doing things in our own strength and we're trying to glorify God and maybe he's not blessing because we've left things out that he says are important but we say they're not. 
So you see how all this kind of affects each other. Now, I'm not saying, you know, if you, if you don't get on your knees and pray about every single thing, then you're not going to get God's blessing on your life. No. But if you have the Holy Spirit, he can impress upon you what is important, what you need to focus on right now. Uh, maybe there are some things that you can leave till a later time or something like that, but we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Um, and I know that's something that I want to be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit because I know that people that are sensitive to the Holy Spirit get used by the Holy Spirit. Amen. And then God gets glory because of that. So it's just, it's, that's a good cycle. But sometimes it's hard to stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit. But something for us to think about. Uh, so are you trying to produce the Christian life without the power of Christ? That's a, that's a question to ask yourself. Uh, sometimes trying to be efficient, maybe we're impatient. Um, those kind of things lead to taking shortcuts. Um, and Moses and Aaron, the men used greatly of God, they could never do these miracles themselves. They could only do it and undo it by God's power. So if anyone talked to them, they wouldn't have said, yeah, <laughs> that was me. No, they would have pointed the glory back to God. Yeah, we did things God's way because there's no way we could have done that ourselves. Um, and would you agree it's just as much a miracle to send a plague of frogs and and you know, turn water into blood and, and hailstones with fire. It's just, it's just as much a miracle to bring those things as to take those things away. I mean, if one of you guys here tonight you know, stopped the rain, then we'd say, okay, that's a miracle. Not just bringing rain, but stopping it as well. And that's what happened with Moses and Aaron. They were able to remove those things because they were doing things God's way and by God's power. And they weren't trying to take shortcuts. Um, so I just want to show you that a little bit. And notice... Um, in Exodus chapter 8, verse 12 to 13, what Aaron and, and Moses did, because I see this as kind of a, I guess, a remedy uh, if we find ourselves thinking along these lines of taking shortcuts or maybe I could just you know, leave this out here or there. See this as a little bit of a remedy against that. So Exodus 8, verse 12 to 13, it says this, And Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried unto the Lord because of the frogs which he had brought against Pharaoh. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and the frogs died out of the houses, out of the villages, and out of the fields. Notice what they did? They cried unto the Lord. They didn't say, oh, I'm going to try my own power to you know, whiz-bang, get rid of these frogs. They said, no, I actually need God's strength. I need God's power. I need to get his ear, and I need to be sensitive to him so he can tell me what to do to get rid of these frogs. So they cried unto the Lord to get his, his answer. Uh, just look down in verse 29, the first part of that, regarding the flies that were brought, the plague of flies. It says this in verse 29, And Moses said, Behold, I go out from thee, and I will entreat the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants and from his people. Look down in verse 30, 31, And Moses went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. And he removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people there remained not one. I don't know how many flies there were, but I'm going to say it was millions upon millions upon millions. <laughs> and there wasn't one left. That's a miracle. That's God's working by someone who asked the Lord to work. So those couple of examples, and there's more. They entreated the Lord. They entreated the Lord. They kept asking for his power. They kept asking for his direction. They kept trying to stay close and sensitive to the Holy Spirit. That's what we should be doing. If we want to bring glory to God, if we see good examples of people in the Bible or around us, then we need to make sure that 
we're bringing glory to God by how we're doing that, that our ears close to him, that we're you know, seeing what's in this, that we're listening when someone gets up and speaks, whatever it is, however the Lord's speaking to us, we need to make sure that we're inclining our ear to him and then he can, be, he can use us and he gets the glory for that. So they asked for God's power. They entreated the Lord for his way. And I'll say this, they entreated the Lord for his wisdom. Now, you know, if I said, you know, my, what's my wisdom compared to God's wisdom? Well, it's not, it's not even on the same scale. I mean, it's the Lord's wisdom that brought this whole world into being. Uh, the, the Bible says that. So they asked for God's wisdom. And wisdom, or you could say spiritual discernment, uh, it doesn't last forever. And what I mean by that is that you may have asked for it at one point, God may have given it to you at one point, but it's not something that just continues to be with you forever. You've got to keep asking for it. Like your salvation, that's secure, that's forever. But God's wisdom, he says, ask for it. Seek it out. Find it. And he says in uh, James one, chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, if, you lack, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. I know I lack wisdom a lot of times. And it might be even just for the smallest little decision that I've got to make in my life. But if I entreat the Lord for that little thing, then I know that when I do it his way, he gets glory for it. And I'm just another step to achieving that result of glorifying God. And you you never get to that. You never finish. As long as you live, you're, you're here to glorify God. But we want to do the most that we can, don't we? In every little thing that God brings to us and every big thing that God brings to us, I want to entreat him, ask of his wisdom, and it says God will give it to us if we do that. If we do it in faith, nothing wavering, if we believe that he's able to, and I'm pretty sure Moses and Aaron believed he was able to do those miracles that he did. I'm pretty sure Moses believed that when Pharaoh said, oh, can you take away the frogs, just you know, ask your God, I'm pretty sure Moses was like, yep, I know he can do this. So he, he was a man full of faith and nothing wavering, and he asked God, he entreated him, and then God did it. And then God gets glory, and God continues to use Moses. So that's the kind of person I want to be. That's the kind of Christian I want to be, that I'm listening, doing, being used of God, giving him glory. That's, that's the cycle I want my life to show. Now, I'm not perfect. I know it's not always going to show that, but that's, that's my desire, and I hope that's your desire as a Christian as well. Um, And think about this. Think about what Egypt looked like before all of these plagues took place and then what it would have looked like at the end of it all. Big difference. It would have looked like a war zone. Just, you can't even really imagine it, to be honest. But that difference is the difference in doing things our way and doing things God's way. Leaning on our power, understanding, strength, whatever you want to call it, and asking for his power, strength, direction, guidance. And we sung a little bit tonight, I can't remember what song, but about his, his guidance. We need that to, to bring him glory. And, you know, who knows what comes out of that. But that should be our focus. Um, so the result of not doing this, the result of not staying close to the Lord and caring about his specifics is just as, as devastating as seeing that land of Egypt at the end of all these plagues. There's loss, there's destruction, and in Pharaoh, a hard heart. And think about it, we can get a hard heart pretty easily if we're not following God's way and we're, 
we're leaning on our ways of doing things and then things don't work out and we can easily get a hard heart. And we don't want that. And God certainly doesn't want that for us. So what things of God or Christianity or maybe the Bible, our doctrine, uh, do you hear or see and think, uh, that's not the only way to do it. Maybe there's a slightly different way to do it. I'm not saying that there's a better way to do it, but maybe I could just leave that part out. What things do you think along those lines? Because maybe those are things you need to reconsider. That if God said something a specific way, let's pay attention to it and try and do it the way that he says. Because uh, he knows what brings him glory. And be careful, because it may look like it works. You might see that it works in someone else's life. Uh, but, hey, if you were sitting in Egypt and you saw magicians do this and this, you'd be like, yep, it's all the same. But then there's a time comes where you realise, ah, it's not all the same. It definitely is not the same. That is not the finger of God. The finger of God, you can, you can tell when it's the finger of God as opposed to when it's just man. So be careful. Uh, there's no shortcuts to the blessings of the Christian life. Uh, God designed it that way because he knows what we learn through those things. So if you take back to what I said at the start, you know, we see stories of people in the Bible or people in your life you want to you know, replicate you know, God's blessings or you just want what God's doing in their life, um, you, can, you can look at that and it's all a good thing. And I've totally forgotten what I was going to say. <laughs> um, yeah, so God knows that when we go from here to that point, the things that you get to learn along the way when you do it his way. But if you try and do a shortcut then you miss out on a whole bunch of stuff that God actually intended for you. And that was good for you. And that maybe even would have got you to that next step. Maybe that thing that you left aside was going to be the thing that brought him more glory, whatever it is. But he knows, that's why he says, my ways and your ways, totally different. Because I know what I'm working in through all of that in my specific way of doing things. So there's no shortcuts. And it's a good desire to learn from men and women that are used of God, but it's essential that we ask, that we entreat the Lord for how he wants us to go about it, how he wants us to love the people around us, how he wants us to serve him, how he wants us to listen to him. Whatever it is, it's essential that we entreat the Lord for his power, for his wisdom, and he says that he'll give it if we ask in faith, nothing wavering. So even in the small things. Um, so I hope that's, a, hope that's a help in just... Even if it, if it makes you next week or this week coming, just think about something a little bit differently and go, God, how would you want me to do this? Then I'm sure that'll be a blessing because God's going, oh, you're asking me about that thing. Cool. I'll give you the answer or I'll, I'll, I'll direct you, I'll guide you. That's my prayer um, because I know it's, it's helped me in this way as well. So why don't we pray and then we'll, uh, we'll be dismissed in a second. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, I thank you uh, once again for your goodness to us, Lord. Thank you for the truth of your word. And I thank you, Father, that your ways are higher than our ways. Uh, Lord, thank you for showing us that. Uh, thank you for not just saying that and not giving us uh, a direction or a guide, but, Lord, you've given us your Holy Spirit to know what your ways are and uh, to understand them and, and to see that you do get glory from them, Lord. I pray that you would help each of us, myself included, to... Uh, really just entreat you, Lord, for things throughout the week, uh, to ask how you would want us to do things, Lord God, whether it be a big thing or a small thing. I uh, just pray that you would get glory, you would receive the glory that you're due, Lord God. And I pray that other people would see our lives as a testimony of your goodness 
and uh, that people would be able to be brought to you, Lord, through these things as well, Father. Lord, we thank you for this time together. I thank you for our church, Lord. Uh, thank you for the gathering here and uh, for building our body. Uh, Lord, we thank you that you've brought each one here that is here. And uh, we just want to give you praise and glory for that and for the opportunity to meet tonight, to sing unto you, to give unto you, and uh, to hear from your word, Lord. Uh, we thank you for who you are. I pray that you continue to bless and guide us this week, help us to be sensitive to you. And I pray that you'd also be with the Lloyd family, for Brother Darrell, for Pastor and his family. And uh, Lord, we just ask that you would uh, give them grace. Lord, please comfort them, uh, give them strength through this time. And uh, we thank you for what you're doing, Lord. And our Father, we ask and pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.